0: Welcome to the Vox Podcast. Bonnie and Tim here. Bonnie out in Texas land. Tim in Californiaville. Bonnie, how are you today?
1: You know what? It's winter came and I'm not pleased. But even then, when I say winter, I mean like it's 30 in the morning and then the afternoon it's 60. So it's really only like (laughs) winters (laughs) in the night.
0: (laughs) Somebody just posted a funny meme online. And I don't remember what it said, but I remember the sentiment. And it was something about like we're in, we have winter, then we have false spring one, then we have winter two, then false spring two, and then winter three. (laughs) And right now we are in false spring one, I believe.
1: Oh, there you go. Winter
0: is going to head, because right now it's pretty nice. It was warm yesterday. But we're going to have false, we're in the false territory, and then we're going to have like a real winter Everything's late too, so it's like it's hard to judge. I know
1: it's weird. I know I feel because I I don't want to get my hopes up because I'm afraid I'll get we'll get hit with cold. We got snow last week.
0: That's that's crazy.
1: <laughs> I know, isn't that weird? But then it burned off by like nine a.m. <laughs> so it's gone. Hey Tim. Um, yes. I think we should tell the listeners about something we found out that we have in common. Which is. our <laughs> Our love for Connie Britton.
0: Oh, because we were just talking about our crazy daughters, so I didn't know if we were... Oh, that, that is also If we're true. hanging out there. <laughs>
1: uh, okay, so Tim, at least... I don't know if you love Connie Britton, but you've at least watched... I do the love Connie sh- Britton. I love her too. Okay, and I got to tell you, so I one of my favorite things to do if I ever follow an actor and actress from a series to a series like when they obviously like die off like or say someone on. was
0: transitioning from Friday Night Lights into Nashville
1: oh my gosh Siri is answering me because I said Siri <laughs> she's now talking in the other room um, yes exactly so I like to pretend that that is one Fluent character Like one fluid character That (laughs) went Right So she's like I make up this storyline Like she had this life As a a coach's wife And you know We (laughs) thought it ended fine And then she was like No This has to be about me too And so she bailed And she moved to Nashville And she became this huge Huge pop star And then that got old too She faked her death And then (laughs) She moved To Newport Beach And starred in the series The Netflix series Dear John
0: and she's on that. Um, I haven't seen it, but I've seen the commercials that she's on, uh, uh, a nine one one operator. It was <gasps> what? like a nine one one like procedural show. I think so. I think I think she's like the oh my actual gosh. lady on the like a dispatch. Oh my
1: or gosh! Okay, I gotta see. I love her. <laughs> Did you see, dear John?
0: I haven't seen Dear John, but I remember when Nashville came on and because the characters are not tremendously different. I mean, like, Friday Night Lights is arguably Tammy Taylor's story. Oh,
1: she's so good.
0: Mm -hmm. And Nashville was her Raina James story until she died. And then it just was like, everyone's like, why are we watching this still? Probably most of you were like, why why were any of you watching this in the first place? place.
1: (laughs) But that's because she faked her death and she moved to Newport Beach. And she has on Babel Island, and she has all this money, and she started decorating firm.
0: <laughs> there it is. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so now we know what happened. So for all of our listeners who are wondering about Nashville,
0: <laughs> you now S- Spoiler know. Spoiler alert: she dies and moves <laughs> to Newport.
1: <laughs> oh, dang. Uh,
0: all right. So Gosh. some prefaces for today's episode. Um, yep. It is. I would say it's it's pretty PG thirteen. Yes. So if you if you normally listen to the Podcast in the car with kids, um, you may not want to. You may, unless you're already far along the line in that conversation with your kids. But yeah. we are talking about sex, and there are some uh, more more detailed language than um, than not. In yeah, some and part, to be so. fair,
1: she she says that you have just, and you'll hear this in there. Start early, educate early, yeah, yeah, yeah. use all the right terms. So maybe it's a good spot to listen first. Yeah. and then maybe, go back. <laughs> maybe have that conversation
0: with your kids before we have that conversation with your kids.
1: Yeah, that's a good
0: point. Um, but it's a great conversation and um, I would imagine it could be triggering for some people just because um, we do talk a lot about purity culture. We do talk about shame, um, resentment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. So uh, there could be parts that you feel are like hitting pretty close to home um, but that's kind of the point right we wanted to get into those topics because they are the topics that these are a lot of the ornaments that hang on the tree so to speak when it comes yeah, to this we topic had a, so
1: yeah we had a lot of people write in from Vox saying these are things that they learned in pretty culture but also the I would say 98% were like, and I'm still, still dealing with it. And I've been married 15 years or whatever. So we wanted to have this conversation to really, um, declare that like, Hey, we grew up in this and some of that hasn't gone away. So maybe we could start to have that conversation now instead of just saying that was all bad. Um, but maybe put some words to it. Why was it damaging or why was it helpful and how can we do better going forward? So, um, I think you're going to enjoy it. I really do.
0: So here we go. This is uh, uh, Bonnie and I with Dr. Celeste Holbrook.
1: Hello, Celeste, we are so grateful you are here. Thank you for joining us. And you are calling from Dallas,
2: right? Yes, technically Fort Worth, oh, okay. so we don't associate with Dallas. <laughs> Just kidding. You draw a hard line so, in the sand there. It's a hard, it's a hard boot in the sand, my friend. Where is, Fort Worth and Dallas where are is, very uh, different.
0: Where's Plano?
2: Plano's—we consider Plano Dallas, so because okay, we
0: have a ton of we have a ton of Plano listeners.
2: Oh, Do oh, hello, Plano. You? We love Dallas. <laughs> hello, Plano. This is a quick a quick pivot. Uh, I appreciate yes. that. Yes. <laughs> Meet your audience where and, they are. Hello, Plano. we're so glad you're tuning in exactly.
0: today.
1: Well, we're so happy you're here. So Celeste is a sex therapist and I found you via um, Radical Wellness and other podcasts you've been on, but we were super excited to have you so that we could kind of discuss a healthier narrative around sex. And especially those of us that grew up in the purity culture, there's a lot that's sort of intertwined and we want resources to undo some of those things, and also a better narrative to give to our children and to younger generations. So, before we dive in, um, how did you get involved in this work? What's what's kind of your few minutes storyline of what drove you to this work, and maybe even like what you like the best about it?
2: Oh wow! Um, first of all, thanks for having me. It's my mission in life is to provide safe spaces for people to talk about sex, and I think that podcast is one of the best because. You can listen with your earbuds and you don't have to bite re reading a big book with the word sex on the title so (laughs) um so i grew up in a conservative community and i was kind of given this message that many of us were that you wait until you're married to have (laughs) um, sex however that's defined Um, for me it was defined as penetration And I, because I'm a nine gram nine, I followed the rules and I waited until I was married to have penetrative sex. Although I did a lot of other really, really fun stuff that, um, helped me out actually after I got married. Um, and I got married in Austin on town. Lake. Oh, yes, you did. (laughs) And, um, I got married in the, you know, in the morning because my daddy said that if it doesn't work out, you haven't wasted a whole day. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) got married in the morning walked with my brand new husband over to our hotel room and proceeded to you know take off my fake eyelashes and fake hair and spanx and you know scrapless backless bra yeah and totally expected my yes exactly totally expected my husband to be like on the phone with a lawyer about a bait and switch, but <laughs> it's
1: like this was smoking and mirrors.
2: And... <laughs> this was not what I signed up for, dude. <laughs> um, but, but that didn't happen. He's a loving, amazing man who um, just handed me a little glass of champagne. And so we had sex for the first time. It was incredibly painful. Mm. Um, did not get better. Our first whole year of marriage, Um, and I started to grow resentful and angry and, Mm. um, sad. And I, that's not really great emotions for a first year of marriage. Right? Yeah. (laughs) I waited and sex was supposed to be good. That's what everybody told me. Yeah.
1: If you follow the rules, it's like you're awarded this prize at the end of like a lifetime of amazing sex.
2: Totally. Yeah. Like it's prosperity, prosperity gospel of sex. Yes. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, (laughs) it's true. Yeah. It is, and lots of us get sold that. So I, I saw the OB-GYN. Um, the ob after a year said, I don't see anything really wrong with your anatomy, um, but maybe after you have a baby, this whole painful sex will go away, oh, which is ter- terrible
1: advice. Yeah, you were like, <laughs> do you mean that then there's no sex because we're so tired?
2: <laughs> right. Is that your maybe definition? phenomenal <laughs> advice. Go
1: away? <laughs> <laughs>
2: like at that point we weren't having any type of sex that would create babies Mm -hmm. so um you know (laughs) that would have been impossible anyway so (laughs) i didn't realize that at the moment but that's when kind of the lights turned on for me and that's when i started to become the person i needed because i didn't know who else to go talk to Mm. i had no idea what to do so Yeah. Went through this process of kind of sexual renovation, figured out what messages I needed to let go Mm. about shame and fear and re kind of remodeled our sex life together Mm -hmm. and did a lot of um, work mentally and physically. And finally we started having good, great connective sex, Mm. but my pain had been essentially caused by fear and shame. Um, Not necessarily anything that was physically wrong with me. And so I figured if I could help myself get through this process, I could probably help other people go through the process. And that's probably my favorite thing is helping people go through the process of figuring out their own sexual beliefs and value mm-hmm. systems so that they are liberated to have connective and pleasurable sex.
1: Wow. Gosh, that is fascinating. You know, we talk a ton about in this podcast of um, like how – because this is how you mostly hear it, like trauma, um, how it shows up. you know, body keeps a score. So – um, I have like, I have some of my own trauma and when that is triggered, well, not so much anymore because I've done a ton of work, therapy and EMDR, but mm-hmm. when it's triggered, um, it shows up like in my hips and in my back and it mm-hmm. like affects me. Um, but it, it's, um, it's amazing to hear you say that like there was nothing wrong physically. It was an undoing of trauma in a sense. Would you say that of like these wrong messages of, cause shame and fear, those to me both seem traumatic.
2: Yeah, I would say 100%. I would put those in the, the line of trauma. Mm. And I always say your body, just like you just said, your body doesn't really forget. Mm-hmm. So I've been told my whole life, if you have sex before marriage, bad things will happen to you. Mm-hmm. So I'm scared. Yeah. Um, and if you have sex before marriage, you will be less than, mm-hmm. so now I feel shame. Mm-hmm. And so then you know, I signed the marriage certificate and all of a sudden all those feelings are supposed to just go away. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's the rumor.
1: That, that yeah. is the rumor. It didn't work for me. <laughs> it didn't work for us either. That was definitely not our story. And you know, it's funny as I saw, so we did um, on Facebook and then on Instagram, like all these people could write in. I did it on my personal page, but then we did it on the Vox page too. All these people could write in like stuff they had, quote unquote, learned, good or bad from purity culture, um, stuff they were still carrying with them. And to your point, this dichotomy of like what should happen before marriage and what should happen after this woman wrote in. And I was like, Oh, some of these things that people wrote in, I thought, Oh yeah, I forgot. I forgot that I felt that way or that, that, that was told to me. And one of the things was like for a woman, she was like, we can't be, um, I'm not allowed to be sexy, right? Like Mm -hmm. before marriage, but then after marriage, I'm supposed to be like super sexy. So my husband Mm -hmm. doesn't cheat on me. And that Mm -hmm. last part brings up a whole thing. But can you kind of talk about like what happens um, if we find ourselves in this scenario of like you did, like I did, like I think so many of us did, where we believe in narrative and then all of a sudden we're just supposed to drop it, but we don't have any tools or resources on how to do that. um, What would be your first step in identifying that maybe that's what's going on, right? Like it could be in your marriage, in your sex life, in your patterns. even just the narrative in your head, I don't think people always know that that's what, even what's happening.
2: Yeah, um, I love this question because I am a practical sexologist. So I'm not—I'm not a therapist. I'm not a sex therapist. Right. I'm a behaviorist. Oh, me. so okay. the work just looks—it's okay. It just uh, the work just looks a little bit different. Okay. So I'm really action-oriented. Okay. So I tell people like, okay, we've talked about this. Here's the communication things I want you to talk about with your spouse. Here's the sex activities I want you guys to engage in. So I'm really, like, really practical. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Um, So I think, so I developed this kind of, like, four-step process for, it's uh, just as a framework, because when we think about making our sex life better... Mm Um, we go online and say like, how do I, everyone wants to spice things up or make things more spontaneous. Mm-hmm. And you're only getting information that's like 10 tips to, you know, make him squeal like or a 10 cosmopolitan th- cover or something. Yes. Right. Yes, it's so very basic and so focused on the physical. But unless you are able to undo shame and fear in your brain, mm. all of those physical things are not going to help you. All the sexy laundry in the world and all the sex toys are not going to make your sex life better unless you address the underlying mm. root of what's going on to make sex bad for you in the first place. Mm. So I really wanted to make organized ways to undo some of those messaging yeah. So starting with just awareness, Mm. just awareness, like, you know, if if you're listening, you can sit down on a, and on a sheet of paper, write Sex is dot, dot, dot. And then just data dump everything that you feel about sex. Mm. Like what is sex? It feels like responsibility, a chore. It's painful. I love it. It's pleasurable, whatever it is for you. And then on the other side, write down my dream sexual experience would feel like, Mm. And then write down all the feelings you want to experience because all of our behaviors are based on things we want to feel. Mm, right? Yeah. So become aware of where you are, where you want to go. And then the next step is deconstructing. Yeah. So what are all those messages that you got? Like, which is why I love that you asked your audience, what were those messages that you got? Mm-hmm. Um, and then understand what they meant. Yeah. Like I got the message that what I wore um, dictated how men um, behaved. Yep i right? totally got the message yep yeah yes i got the message that i was a brownie and that if i had sex before i was married married i would just be a half-eaten brownie and nobody would want me right right, right? right. yeah um or i'm a chewing gum or i know i'm a flower that takes the petals off or whatever it is i am an object mm-hmm. i am a stumbling block mm-hmm. yeah or other people's sexuality so you write down all of those messages and then you see what the core feeling underneath those messages, fear, shame, Mm -hmm. guilt, whatever it is. Um, and then you start to unwind them and it takes a while to unfold and unwind what those messages are, what the root is and how to lovingly release them. So it's a process for sure. Um, and then stepping into vulnerability, like, okay, now that you know where you are, where you want to be and how you got there, what's the next step? Mm -hmm. Like, what can we do to step into a little bit of vulnerability so you can find growth? And for some people that's like, I want to learn how to have sex with the lights on, or I want to learn how to ask my partner for sex, Mm -hmm. or I want to learn what I like because I don't know, right? So vulnerability and then just repeating that process over over and over over again. again. So that's like a process that Mm -hmm. I find organizes the way in which we renovate our sex lives. Mm,
1: I like that you said that, especially because I think writing them down, the exercise of even doing just that, I'm sure uncovers and reveals stuff you didn't even know. That was so deeply Mm -hmm. rooted so one of the things going back to what our listeners said and even i personally resonated with the most was um we heard a lot of answers about that had to do with shame and fear um Mm -hmm. sex impurity culture was often talked about as like a few things number one it was like the most unforgivable thing you could ever do like it was and when you put that up against and i think still in the church that's that is a big message but when you put it up against like all of these other big issues like genocide and like all of these other <laughs> things it just seems so insane i know we're all laughing but literally yeah. like we talk yeah. more about how bad sex is than we do about like hey yeah. what can we do to help our neighbor so it's like right it's so backwards and like as our friend tim gamba says he's like hey, we're so obsessed with sex in america it's like it's mm-hmm. unreal um but like i think so that plays into the shame right so I want to kind of dive in there a bit about shame and then also talk about fear like there was a big thing at least for me um and what a lot of people said too of being terrified of it um Mm -hmm. so I think I've shared this on the podcast before but I don't really know I had one of those bibles it was like a a teen study bible you know where you has like markings and like tidbits and stuff well there was like somebody that wrote in well not really they just made it up and it was like a letter to sam and then sam would write back the person and like answer them a question and so one letter in there was about sex and somebody said like i would like to i want to have sex with my boyfriend we're not married we're both christians we're gonna have sex and sam wrote back i'm not kidding okay (laughs) and sam Sam wrote back and said (laughs) Having sex before marriage is like putting a cat in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> everybody gets burned, <laughs> <laughs> and like that was his answer, and I remember you know I'm eleven and <sighs> I'm like, "Oh my gosh, you can't nope <laughs> because like all you can see is Ass. that visual if someone tells you yeah, that's, that's a terrifying what's, visual <laughs> that's what sex is like, you're like. No but then the message, oh, but I guess after marriage, like it's no longer like something happens. It's no longer it's a different cat kind of cat in the microwave. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So like that was terrifying. So um there is a That's lot of insane. I know, and there is some good things that yeah. we can talk about the good things that come came from Purity Culture too, but I wanna discuss these messages and I'm sure you've heard it a million times about around shame and fear and how we could Address them, like you said, and find a new way forward, so that we don't perpetuate them in our own lives or in our kids' yeah.
2: lives. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, you know, when you're talking about, you know, bad things are going to happen to you if you have sex before marriage. Yes, that is a shame message, but initially, that's a fear message. Mm. If I feel like I'm going to go to a place and burn forever, yeah. I if somebody puts a penis inside of my vagina, yeah, like that is a fear message. Right. And to be able to just say like, Oh, but then after your wedding day, like this is going to be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's so confusing. such a dichotomy. It is it's so confusing. It's so confusing. And, um, you know, couple that with a lack of education about sex in general, even when, even if it was about like, here's some education for when you do get married. Right. There was just none of it. There no, was none of it. Was it was a so,
1: cat in the microwave. I mean, that's... It was a cat in the microwave. That's what I was went ridiculous. with for a long
2: time. Yes. <laughs> oh, I mean, just, just totally, utterly ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I, I distinctly remember being told I was going to be chewed up chewing gum or a brownie that was half eaten mm. uh, if I had sex before marriage. And this produced immense amounts of guilt for for... Any kind of sexual thought or feeling mm. or
1: anything. Yes, yeah. Um, because and, I mean, they do follow it up with even if you just think it, it's the same as doing it. Yeah. And So you're like, it's the, I'm it's so screwed. Ten
2: commandments twice. Don't <laughs> yeah. do sex and don't even think about don't it. Don't even know. <laughs> nope.
1: <laughs> yeah. So like, what? I mean, it's like I don't. And I mean, I guess that that now I'm giving you too many questions. But and that was no, part right. of it too. It was like it was like a bunch of men wrote in that was like. I've been told I can't lust and can't think about sex, but now I feel weird if I think about sex with my wife. So like, how can I rewrite that? And then a bunch of women wrote in and they were like, I was always told it was for the men. And so I was a weirdo if I had any sexual thoughts. And even now married, I feel like I can't get pleasure out of it. You know what I mean? It's like these stories that are being told to us about what it is and what you can and cannot do.
0: Yeah. Sam is still in there talking.
2: (laughs) Sam. Who the hell is Sam, man? Why did he, you know, why did he put, like, carte blanche on your sexuality? He did. He, yeah, you Sam. know what? He, he said,
1: some 11-year-old girl who loves animals, she's going <laughs> to,
2: this is going to get her. Lord. This is going to resonate with her. <laughs> and it did. Yeah. Okay. It, I'm sure it did. Um,
0: we got to I mean, scare these kids out of having sex.
2: <laughs> I mean, essentially, that's what that's what it was. So let's kind of back up to what okay. you said earlier about, like, what purity culture was trying to do. So what I I believe what purity culture was trying to do was trying to protect us from something that adults did not understand themselves. Mm. So I think they were trying to have a new way of like talking about sex. So the generation before the Josh Harris generation just like didn't really talk about it at all. Right. But weren't also given negative messages, which is still an implicit negative message, but better than you're going to hell if you do this. Right, right, right. So they were trying to do better, I think.
1: Yeah, well, and I think the- theologically speaking, there was a shift there too. Like mm-hmm. uh, with the kind of boom of evangelicalism, there was a more focus on like, you turn or burn. So like a bunch of the messages during that time was really
2: focused on hell, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, agreed. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I think what they were trying to do was create a conversation about sex mm-hmm. Um, because okay, now we're going take you know, take the conversation and take the take it into our hands but really what they did was create just fear and shame around sex and not necessarily education mm-hmm. about sex because mm-hmm. they didn't really know what to say other than don't ha- you know don't do it before you're married. Um, and so you know when we're talking about undoing that kind of messaging, it takes a lot, a lot of work mm-hmm. and really understanding what it was that you, that you are carrying, what it is that you are carrying, Mm -hmm. and how to like lovingly release them. And sometimes that's inner child work, that sometimes that is, you know, speaking to that earlier version of yourself and saying like, listen, I know you got told that you're going Mm to hell or that you're a brownie, um, and that's really frustrating to you. And that earlier version of yourself keeps on coming forward and saying, listen to me, like I am scared, I am ashamed and I am scared, and I keep coming in my 39 year old self Um, in my bedroom and and those voices keep coming up so soothing those inner voices of the past um is one of a lot of ways that you can do that and also sensuality work so our senses are just the use of if you're privileged enough to have all five of your senses sensuality is just the use of all of those so if you think about a toddler being sensual they're like sitting in the grass tasting the grass looking at the grass throwing the grass you know smelling the grass um being sensual in keeps you in this current moment. Mm. And so um, you cannot experience anxiety from the past to the future. You can only experience your senses in the present moment. Interesting, um, And that's why sexuality can be so powerful. Mm. Because if you allow yourself the freedom to experience all of your senses with another person, even, and sometimes you experience sexuality on your own too, but when you allow yourself the freedom of this moment, experiencing my senses right now, mm-hmm. it is pre- full presence. Right. Like you are fully right. sitting in the presence of now, yeah. which is which can be really healing. Yeah. And so, using sensuality um, to root in the now can help you forget or help you manage messages mm-hmm. of the past or worries of the future. Yeah, and maybe
1: even rewrite some. I would think mm-hmm. um, because yeah. you have a positive experience. And then to be able to see the juxtaposition of the two Mm -hmm. um yeah no that's really good and i think there are some good things like um i was a child of the purity movement and i also didn't have sex until i was married Uh, my husband didn't either and um i think both of us would probably say something good that came out of it is that um that wasn't something that then we had to work through as a married couple so i i don't want to throw the whole thing out i think there were some good things um, but the overarching theme that we sense is exactly what you're talking about. So what would you say then to parents who have children and they want to send a positive sex message, but also a positive message of um, that's not fear and shame based, but allows mm-hmm. them to, I, I actually don't even know what to ask you here because I want to say yeah. make their own choice, but I want to say like, like also then all my evangelical words are swarming through my head so I'll just I know know what I mean it's like I'm not even sure how to phrase that my kids only nine so I'm looking to you (laughs) so (laughs) that in five years or whatever um but it gets that that's a confusing piece there I don't know because um to go back to what we said it still is this huge 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 deal um sex before marriage and which I would like to say I thought it was also confusing that if you had a baby Outside of marriage, the baby was like an abomination. But if you got married, the baby was good. Mm. That's a confusing right. message about if the children. The baby was
0: conceived, <laughs> conceived prior to marriage.
1: Yes. But you
0: did get married. That it and was then okay. it was
1: fine. Yeah. yeah. So that's yeah. a confusing message about kids as well.
2: <laughs> I just would yeah. like to say. <laughs> I would just like to point this out. Yes. Um, affirmed. I want to validate that that <laughs> is a confusing message. Um, I would like to break this down a little bit because yes. there's some layered questions here. So <clears throat> when we talk about the messages that purity culture sent, I want to separate that mm-hmm. from the idea that abstinence or abstaining from any type of sexual activity, whatever you want to define that as can be empowering because okay. what happened is we combined the two. We said abstinence is the only empowering way oh, okay. and it is what makes you pure and it what keep, is what keeps you safe. Okay, so if we take purity culture out mm-hmm. <laughs> and set that on a table, abstinence or celibacy or however you want to call that, or the choice to, and rem- to, I'm not even going to use the word remain, I don't like that word, the choice to abstain from sexual, certain sexual behaviors <clears throat> because you choose it and not because you're being influenced by an oppressive institution mm-hmm. or parental structure, And a choice that's not based in fear or shame can be a very empowering choice. I would like to say that. so good. Yeah. Right? So absence can be a very empowering choice, Mm -hmm. right? Yep. Um, You cannot make that choice without a whole bunch of knowledge. Mm. And so purity culture took all the knowledge out of sex and just said absence is the only way because you will go to hell if you don't.
0: Mm. (laughs) Sam says so.
2: Sam. Yes. So for parents going forward, I have several recommendations. Mm, One, get are really.
1: (laughs) I'm still thinking about that. That was so good. Yep. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I feel like I'm ready now to make my choice.
2: (laughs) Too late,
1: but maybe I'll go back and tell my 12-year-old self.
2: No, and this is really good because we do have lots of young people and lots of even, you know, 30, 20 year olds. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've talked to them right. who want to make the choice to be absent, but they're, they have done the work to figure out your own sexual values that are not based on oppressive idealizations of institutions or parental control. Yeah. They have made this choice because they looked at all the knowledge, all the information and education. And they said, yeah, this is going to be the safest and the one that I want to do. Totally. Awesome. Great. Right, right. Um, so, for parents, the number one thing I want you to think about right now is to get really comfortable with your own sexuality. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. that is by far the best and first thing that you can do. Why are you uncomfortable talking about sex to your kids? Why, why is it uncomfortable to talk about sex with your partner? Why do you feel low libido? Why do you feel sexual shame? Mm-hmm. Okay. Heal those parts of yourself or at least start that process so that you can have a conversation with your kids that starts early Mm -hmm. and matures as they mature. We're getting away from talks, we don't have sex talks. We have sex conversations and dialogue that starts early with vulva and penis and matures as they mature. Mm -hmm. So that by the time they're ready to make sexual decisions, they make healthy ones because you're a source of trusted information about sex. Mm And they have the knowledge that they need so to make healthy decisions. We know that kids who have more information about sex make healthier sexual choices. So it makes sense that we would understand our own sexuality and then be able to impart knowledge upon our kids to empower them to make healthy choices for themselves. Mm. One thing that really bothers me is when I ask people about their we get conversations with their kids, they say, Oh, my kid's just so innocent. Mm. Mm. Because the opposite of innocent is guilt. And if you think that, you know, telling your kids about sex like giving them sexual education is giving, filling them with guilt. You, you know, you might want to think about what sexual education is. Right. Yeah. I'm on a soapbox. I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, this getting is the- hot and bothered. No, like
0: and so you said <laughs> when, when you said penis and vulva, you're talking about like using using the correct, the correct anatomy anatomical words? terms from the beginning, not like. From the beginning. I mean, I've heard it. I've heard uh-huh. some good ones. No yeah
2: <laughs> you can start integrating those in marriage like you can use whatever, whatever no, no, no. No, no, no. you want be in marriage. <laughs> no i think yes, that's penis so and vulva. true if yeah, yeah. you
0: make
1: it these i mean it's it's like anything else if you make it weird it's going to be weird and if you make yeah. it like don't touch that they're going to touch it like i mean it's just like yeah. but like in a way that's like sneaky and weird and shame not yeah, yeah, yeah. normal right off the bat you're not
2: taking away your kid's sexuality. You're making no. it so they don't trust you to talk to you about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's so true. That is so good. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. I wish I had – like, I wish that you were this person you are now writing my teen Bible. <laughs>
0: I was like <laughs> – was... Sam, Sam made his comment about the microwave, and then Celeste came in and was like, Sam, why don't you go home? You're drunk.
1: Someone on Facebook was Sam. like, but now we know that people that – hurt cats are serial killers because of that netflix documentary and i'm
2: like yeah exactly that's what i'm gonna be like i'd really like to have an honest conversation with sam about his own sex life because it sounds like it's pretty rough
1: yeah it does i'm gonna find out who wrote yeah that. i'm gonna do some digging i'm gonna be like hey i'm just sending my friend celeste i'll pay for your session (laughs) and here you go poor sam
2: i know Sam Sam, was everybody gets burned everybody gets burned
1: yeah i mean like just even the thought of that is like no we're good we're we're good here so um that's so good i I love um i loved the idea or the um the plan to separate those two i think that's huge because you're right Mm -hmm. yeah purity culture took away um the knowledge around it, the um, education around it. So it's sort of impossible. Like, and I can honestly say, I just, I did not make a choice to um, abstain from sex based on knowledge. It was definitely yeah. on fear for sure. Yeah. Um, hundred yeah. percent.
2: Yeah. And I think that's, it's, it's frustrating to me because I'll get I'll get backlash sometimes like, Oh, you're totally not for absence. I'm like, I am for building your own sexual value system mm-hmm. and make and helping you make your own choice. Like you make your own choices based on the knowledge that you have. And a lot of times that is absence. We know that if you're absent, you're not going to get pregnant and yeah. maybe you don't want to be pregnant or like, you're not going to get an STI. Great. You know? Right, yeah. So it's not about absence. It's about making sexual choices that feel Um, the best for you Mm -hmm. based on the knowledge that you have that's not from oppressive institutions yeah Yeah. no i think
1: that's so good and i think that entering into marriage would be different like what if we had this culture that did just like what you said um i have i had a lot of friends that were like i this is who i wanted to marry whatever but because they didn't like he already had sex. I feel like I can't marry like can't marry them. And then like so and it, I don't even think it was the actual logical thing they thought. Right? I think it was just yeah. something they were told. So if we have an opportunity to shift the focus to education and healthy and connection conversations um as we you know um raise our children and work in churches and do stuff like that then yeah. then we absolutely then we absolutely should. I mean, I think it's part of our responsibility, I guess, you know what I mean? I mean, that's how Agree. I feel about it, but
0: I'm curious. I'm curious. I don't know if you know the answer to this or not. She does. Um, <clears throat> okay. <laughs> uh, like European, like European culture. So, you know, you always hear like this, them commenting on American culture where they're just like, Oh, Americans are such prudes about sex, about nudity, about X, Y, and Z. I'm, I wonder how much of this, I have no idea. And I don't know if this is relevant or not, but how much of this is an, like a, a uniquely American, like christian issue this idea of shame and yeah good call um you know what i mean because it seemed like it it really does kind of seem like it's a very american evangelical uh thing but i don't know i'm and i don't know if you know i'm just curious
2: i mean i can shed a little more light on it i don't know that i have a complex answer but for example the netherlands they have incredibly com um comprehensive sex ed, and their teen pregnancy rate is 30% lower than ours. Mm. Um, so we know that the more education that we can give that's comprehensive, that's not shame-based, um, the healthier choices or, or, and the later people, um, engage in sexual activity. Um, but culturally, I mean, I have a virtual practice, so I see people in all parts of the world. Like right now, I have um, a couple people in South Africa um, or Jamaica or different places like that. And culturally, America does not stand alone in this idea of um, puritanical you know, kind yeah. of sex education. So um, I wouldn't say it's exclusive to America, um, but I would say that there are countries as a whole that are doing better about... Um giving comprehensive sex ed. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if that helps answer the question. I was just curious. Culturally, there are other other places that have kind of this um repressed educational system for sex. And
1: what about religions? Do you talk to people of other religions and feel like that's the same or does that is the shame and fear mostly like in what we know as American Christianity?
2: Um, No, I do talk to um, other religions. I have um, a few Muslim clients right now, Church of Latter-day Saints, um, Catholicism, for sure, um, that have this very, very, very similar messaging around sex. Yeah. Yeah, that's so good. Um, So
1: answer me this. What is practical advice like to say? We talk a lot on our podcast about men's roles and women's roles and the stories that... We hear and tell and blah, blah, blah. And I really resonated with the message of like, you're in charge. You're to blame of like a man's sexual sin or like Mm -hmm. what you wear. Um, If he's like you're a stumbling block, if he stumbles, that's your fault. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's damaging in and of itself. And then what's tough about that and and this had been my experience then when you get married um it's also confusing right because it's um it's this idea of like okay so wait a minute now now that's a good thing and I should be creating these feelings in my husband but then now I feel like a weird object right like I feel like um sex is about him and not about me so what is the um I guess my question is like some of this stuff is embedded in culture even beyond the church right like there's like mm-hmm. we see that like all the time like someone says I'm raped and they say it's because you drink or someone says this happened to me and they say well that's because you wore that skirt so I don't think that's just in the church no but um What is the best way besides saying, no, that's not true? (laughs) We (laughs) can um, like bring awareness to that and undo it because it's, it's, um, it doesn't, nobody wins there. Do you know what I mean? The woman's not winning. We're not doing any favors to the men in that situation either. So, um, like, I don't even know how to approach it because it gets me like so fired up. Oh, Celeste does. She does. Celeste, I'm I'm calling on you. (laughs)
2: I'm just like, bat is ready. Yes. Okay. So, um, so there are several things that we need to address when we talk about women being responsible for men's behaviors. What I hear you, what I hear you saying. Um, so the first off is this idea of sex drive. So when we, I don't like this term drive, I think I'm going to write about this tomorrow. (laughs) Sex drive, because that insinuates that, that sex is carnal and that it is uncontrollable Mm -hmm. and that men especially are given this message that it's just an urge that you have to have that you have to, um, act upon. Right. right? right. And so the idea of sex drive is misleading and troublesome Mm -hmm. because even though sex is biological, it is a, still a want, not a need. Right? Mm. A need would be I'm I'm gonna die if I don't eat food. Like for me, every three hours, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to die if I don't drink water, and I'm gonna die if I'm not protected from lions. Okay, those are needs, right? right? Sex, yes, on a society level, we need some proportion some version of sex or 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 procreation in order for our species to exist, but that still does not make it a need. Mm. It is still a want. I want my genes to be procreated. I I want want my I want kids, right? I want those things. Great. Um, but sex is not an emergency. Nobody ever died from blue balls and (laughs) sex is not something (laughs) You know
1: what? I appreciate you saying that because I also got that message. Yeah. Like if this happens, if you guys like fool around, then they'll get blue gonna... balls, which no one really ever explained that to me. And then yeah. um... that might
0: be the hashtag for the episode. <laughs> Just
2: yeah. Like... Nobody ever died from blue balls, <laughs> okay. guys.
1: And like, it's so painful. And like, that will be your fault.
2: Correct. And so like, that what? is the next thing. So we teach people that sex is a drive, that it's yes. carnal, that it's instinctual. And if you even look at um, life, like lions and other mammals, there's 4,300 other mammals on this planet species of males um they have sex once a month mm. to to procreate, to procreate right right um and only when their partner is ovulating right so sex is not a drive that can't be controlled it's not an emergency nobody's going to die if you don't have sex for the rest of your life because right. it, it if might anyone's be... acting on instincts it's animals <laughs> I mean, correct just, yes, yes yes, my partner is ovulating. Now I'm going to try and put my peacock feathers up so she will choose me. Right, right, like right. that's instinctual animal behavior. Um, we we just have to remove ourselves from the idea that men cannot control their sexual instincts, yes. right? Yeah. And yeah. so th- that's the first piece. Sex is not a drive. It's not instinctual. It's a behavior. Mm-hmm. It's a fun one. <laughs> right. We like to do it and it's pleasurable, but it is controllable. Mm. Uh, and so then the idea that we are responsible for this awful thing that's going to happen to them. If we don't have sex with them, um, starts to go away. Mm. Right. Mm. Because there are things that I, as a female maybe want as well, but you know, I can control that as well. Mm -hmm. So when we think about the, the idea of responsibility for women, um, we know, and this is from Esther Pharrell's work. We know that responsibility is the biggest killer of arousal. Mm. So, when, you know, if I've, you've ever been laying in bed and you're supposed to be having sex and you're thinking like, oh, like maybe I should paint the ceiling linen instead of excess. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's responsibility, right? right? And so take that another level up. If I feel responsible for your behavior as a mm. as a male, And your arousal as a male, like by how I dress or how I look or how sexy I am, my arousal is going to go down because I feel responsible for how you behave sexually. Mm -hmm. So it's like this vicious cycle.
0: That's got to be so prevalent. Mm
2: -hmm. Yes, it's so prevalent, which is why I'm so glad you brought this up Mm -hmm. because responsibility is the biggest killer of arousal and the idea of sex drives make us as women feel responsible mm-hmm. but i'm Boom. <laughs> yes celeste for
1: president um i love yes. that because
0: wait so can we can we follow through with that a little bit i mean i just yeah. as we add like practical tools to people because i think that i guarantee there's a lot of people that have never heard what you just said
1: because i had so- no it's so true i had a lot of um women write in and say i feel like um fulfilling my husband's sexual desire is my responsibility but i find myself yeah. never wanting to do it and i don't know why and so that makes I think a, a lot of, of sense. men don't
0: even know how to ask that question because don't or how know how to that approach a, it yeah because yeah. i don't think
1: they want to say this is my need
0: excuse mm-hmm. me my want right.
1: this is my want yeah. and maybe even yeah. making sure we use the right language right. but how can they ask without making the woman feel responsible that's a great question too. yeah
0: and to we'll a- also with that too just like as a behaviorist mm-hmm. like how, what tools do you tell people in this specific lane of traffic this specific conversation right here like how to how to deconstruct all those years of yeah you know 20 30 40 50 60 years of either suppression or um i don't know just any of those things that build into that mindset to build into that responsibility versus Whatever, and even like the cardinal on both sides thing. of the fence for men, yes, yeah, 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 all of that. Like, what are the behavioral tools that you give to people or, or exercises, I guess?
1: Yeah, because sometimes yeah. we're believing if those without knowing we are.
2: Oh yeah. yeah, and you know we get real fired up, but mo- most of the time people just don't under like don't know that that's going on within the context of their yeah, yeah, identity. Yeah, yeah. Right right? And so we're not going, we always give compassion to that. Like, this is something that's probably going on that you don't even know about, like racism or, you know, body inclusivity and all those things. Like Mm -hmm. we have these biases that live within us that we don't necessarily aren't aware of. So I'm just going to go back to those, those building blocks that we did. Um, as a couple, when you become aware of where sex is and where it, where you both want it to go, Mm -hmm. Then you can start building in behaviors that helps both of you meet your needs. Maybe in sex, I want to feel connected. Mm-hmm. Maybe in sex, he wants to feel a stress relief or co- it's a way to mm. cope for him. So, how do we work together now so that I feel pleasure? You know, maybe as a woman, I want more outer course. We know that most women have most of their orgasms through clitoral stimulation, not vaginal stimulation. Right. So, can we define sex differently and foreplay now becomes my sex?
1: Right, right, right,
2: right, right. Um, and so we work together as a couple to meet both of our emotional needs. Like now, you feel pleasure; I feel taken care of. You feel connection; I mm-hmm. feel this, right? Um, so going back to awareness and then starting the work on deconstruction. The, here are the messages that I'm currently living with. And how can we unravel those? Let's talk about them. Like, I really believe it's your responsibility to make me horny. Okay. Well, let's unravel that because we're actually, (laughs) um, we're actually just in charge of our own pleasure Um, for men and for women, for however you identify, you are in charge of your own pleasure. So that means you need to get to know your body really well. Typically men are a little bit better at this. Um, But for men, typically they aren't it's harder for them to write down what they want to feel in sex. Whereas women can write down what I want to feel in sex, but God forbid, you ask me how I want to be touched because I have no idea. Right. Um, whereas a guy is really clear on how he wants to be touched, mm-hmm. but sometimes it's harder for him to know how he wants to feel from that touch. So just really getting clear on what each of you want, which is going to be different for everybody. The mm-hmm. idea that two people on this earth are going to want to have the same type of sex at the same time on the same day is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. so ridiculous. Yeah. So communication about meeting both of each other's needs is so, so important, but you mm-hmm. can't do that unless you really sit down and figure out what you need in sex.
1: Yeah. Um, and what you believe, like you said, I actually believe that you should do this for me or whatever it might be. Yeah. 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 That's huge. Um, okay, I have another question that but like we are a podcast, we talk about anything, and this came up a few times. Is someone yeah. was like, What's the deal with what's the deal with masturbation? Am oh, I allowed yeah, sure, to masturbate? Yeah. Because I was told I never was. Why do yeah. I yeah.
0: hear when you frame it like that, I hear Jerry Seinfeld asking that question. Like, what's <laughs> the deal?
1: You know, masturbation. <laughs> but like and then some woman was like and then a few women wrote in and were like, Sometimes um I've wanted to, but I was told that's only men's thing. It's like, mm-hmm. I think that it, it's just as usual, no education around it. So, um, yeah. can you reframe that? Like, um, fix it, Celeste.
2: First. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> well, I do want to hit theologically some of these things, Bonnie, because that's your lane. And I want you to speak to some of these things, but it is my non theologian, um, yeah. Lens that I'm coming from this from. And that is that uh, the only time anybody talks about masturbation or self pleasure in the Bible is in Genesis 3 8, when they talked about Onan and how God told him to sleep with his dead brother's wife and he instead spilled his seed. Mm-hmm. So w- we think that means my, like my dude just pulled out and <laughs> he didn't. Yeah. He didn't want to have uh, sex with his dead brother's wife or he didn't want to have children with her. So he pulled out and spread a seed on the ground and then he was struck down by God. That's all well, like, you know, <laughs> yeah. different kind of, um, I don't think that's talking about masturbation. I, I, I don't think it's talking about masturbation. So other than that, there's no other sighting of masturbation in the Bible at all. Mm-hmm. So my take is that understanding your own body is so paramount in helping with a partner situation and your relationship with yourself. Mm. Um, like, let's talk just briefly about what it means to give informed consent. Like Mm -hmm. when you go to the doctor's office, you're given a big old sheet of like, these are the risks. These are the benefits. Here's clearly what's going to happen to you. And here's clearly what we're going to do and what we're not going to do. That's informed consent. We should be using the word informed in front of every time we have consent because you cannot give consent for something informed, you don't yeah. know about, right? Wow. So how are we supposed to give consent for other people to touch our clitorises when we don't know about them?
1: Right, Right. that's a good <laughs>
2: point. That's a great point, yeah. Um, so it's such a beautiful, useful tool to get to know your body. You have this whole organ, your clitoris, that is um, like specifically made for pleasure. And I'll show you my specifically made for pleasure and so it is here's my plastic one so if you're listening on a podcast you won't be able to see it but <laughs> I have a plastic one in my office um and like when i believe that when god said he created us and we were not just good we were very good he meant every single part of our right. body yeah um and so to i to act like we shouldn't touch parts of our bodies or that we shouldn't be allowed to or something bad is going to happen, I think is just oppressive institutions inserting their way into our lives as women to police us so we um, don't have the same amount of
1: hmm oh interesting <laughs> take Celeste coming in right at the <laughs> end there <laughs> I enjoy that yes um, no but I um, I agree because it's and we'll have to wrap up here but it silos what parts of us God claims as good mm-hmm. and silos what parts of us are welcome and then therefore what parts of our lives can be good yeah. welcomed. Um, And anything that we feel should be on the outside of God's reign, God's goodness, God's approval, God's whatever in our lives, we will take, hide it and put it in like a shame closet. And um, I I would agree with you. I mean, I honestly haven't done a ton of theological work in terms of on sex stuff, mostly because, like you said, I just haven't been informed. I just, you know, throughout my whole life. And then I got married. So it was like, well. Whatever I guess we don't (laughs) talk about it now, but it's not true. And we like have grown a lot. But that was the message for a long time, you know. Um, But I think when we're talking theologically about anything, anything that we want to say, all of this is good, but this other part is bad, or you can't talk about that, or that's not acceptable, or whatever. I think that should be a red flag of any type of thing that God wants to like sideline and uh, you know what I mean that's that can be holy and that can be good and can be beautiful and pleasurable and and the idea that pleasure is good I mean I think that that's often Mm -hmm. lost of Mm -hmm. for some reason we've picked up the message that in order to be doing God's will or following God's path or like doing something well it has to be hard and there has Mm. to be like this certain amount of suffering and that's so wrong and we imagine because a lot of us have been given that message and then applied it to our sex lives so um we can start to redeem that and understand that like no god really is all about goodness and love and joy and light and pleasure and like those are the things of him like i think that that can even just that mindset helps us reframe some of this stuff so yeah Oh my sure. gosh! I'm so grateful. Tell everybody where they can find you. They can read all your stuff. They can book seven appointments. Like, how can they get a hold of you?
0: Seven is the holy number.
2: Yeah, seven so the we'll start number. there. Yeah, um, I think I can do it in four. Which is my competitive. <laughs> I'm so good. Um, so yes, you can find me at drcelestholbrook.com. That's Dr. celesteholbrook.com, And you can find me on Instagram with the same handle and on, and on uh, Facebook. Um, if you go to my website, there's a button to click for, um, 20 sex enhancing questions. I say, if you're starting your journey, start there. Just click, get the 20 sex enhancing questions and start a conversation with your significant other. Um, You can sign up for a free discovery call on that website where you and I will just have a conversation about what's going on, how I may be able to help or how I'm able to redirect you to the right resources. Um, And then you can also join for people who identify as female. You can join my circle of sensual women group on Facebook and there's a button to to join that too. Um, I'm joining that. Yeah, please do. Right um, now. We need your voice, Bonnie. We need <laughs> right
1: your now. theology. Um, no, you probably need all my questions. I'm like, hi, uh, Sam said. <laughs>
2: <I just> wonder-
1: <laughs> oh my gosh, Sam. i want to get him an email from you. You're like, you need to cool it with the Sam stuff. Okay. That's for therapy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like- <laughs>
2: i imagine sam to be like a 103 year old old white man like who wrote (laughs) about cats and you know i'm like so so disturbed now
1: by the uh netflix documentary
0: and the Uh, connection there you know what i mean
2: oh my gosh
1: okay it's called don't f with cats yeah and it's about this guy who was like posted these youtube videos and he like hurt cats like he like killed them and hurt them and all these people like tried to find him and they like alerted the authorities and they're like you have to catch this guy that's serial killer behavior and nobody did and then he did kill someone and then they oh, caught him
2: whoa.
1: i know and so now like he probably actually did put it's a cat sam in the microwave.
2: It's, it's sam
0: all that repression
2: it. yeah we well, now solved the light mystery. Note, we <laughs> <laughs> Sam was the dope f with cats killer. He was. he was. He was. He was. a copywriter for the Teen NIV <laughs> and <laughs> ended up a serial serial and, killer. And
1: he's in jail now. So he's in jail now. You're goes. all safe. Well, that was full circle. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was, so was called that was like quite a callback joke and i really <laughs> i really appreciate that and enjoy that kind of humor
1: that was so good oh my gosh well thank you so much celeste you guys please go visit um and then you can send her any questions if you guys have any questions for her you can write in the show we'll forward it on to her or you can comment on social media and she she can be looking if or tag her because that would be awesome too there so, we go yes yeah. the uh, the world of the internet so i'm like oh yeah just tag them <laughs> i
2: forget that can happen like send a carrier pigeon with yes, exactly. some smoke signals we'll get I'm it like, all sorted out
1: tag me i will form an email and then we'll, yeah no just we'll we'll get rid of that foreplay and you just go straight to celeste <laughs> yes.
0: there we um, go
1: there we go i used your foreplay joke and now Yay. i'm blushing. okay good <laughs> um anyways thank you so much we're so glad yeah. you're on we you you came on and we're so thankful for the work you're doing it's so so important so thank you
2: thank you it, may, it means a lot to me for you to trust me with this material so thank you i love you both tim and bonnie thank you so much thank for having you. me on of
1: course All right. Um, Gosh, like that was so informative. It was so funny because when we were emailing her and my original intent was to kind of go theologically. And then as we were emailing her and even as she was talking, I was like, I personally have so much to undo with how much even the story, like biblical stories or where it talks about sex or where it talks about any of that stuff is with purity culture in my head. If that makes sense, like it's such a background for me. And so even when she said that part, when she said you have abstinence and then you have purity culture and we've made them one thing, uh, but we need to separate them. For me, even that just like a light bulb went on of going, oh, how much am I reading purity culture into scripture Mm -hmm. And what is it really saying? So I hope we have her on again. And she was saying she's doing some work on like Song of Solomon and stuff. But um, we could have her on again and then talk about it from a theological view once we spend some time separating it out in our brains.
0: It's an interesting theological conversation, not just in this arena. It's definitely very interesting in this arena. But I felt like just what you just said, like how much of whatever current culture I was in, growing up laid the foundation for my theology. I mean, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's backwards, like the culture dictating and building the framework for how I would believe about something. And now it's just like like deconstruction has become a buzzword or whatever. It's been right. used a million times in the last five years. Um, and now people are turned off by that term. But it is an accurate term for, <laughs> for right. what it is. Yeah, Picking apart uh, all the stuff that we've been given and trying to find what the real... But this is exactly that, right? Like, exactly mm-hmm. how you just said it, the purity culture and the way it was presented by the church and youth groups and whatever in the 90s. Right, uh, right. Like, literally laid the foundation that this is truth for, you know, the theology of sex or, or God's yeah. idea of sex. And obviously, like we talked before about Josh Harris and the I kiss Dating Goodbye and just like the... The, how interesting it is that the church, I mean, it's not interesting. It's, it's, it's the church in that time period, but taking a 22 mm-hmm. year old who had never really been in a relationship and letting him dictate the entire <laughs> be culture's the understanding it. of sex. Yeah. It's just yeah, wild. yeah.
1: Oh, I'm sure even <laughs> he right. was like, I didn't ask for that. You know, <laughs> like I didn't. Well, and what's fascinating though, what you just said, like really hit me. So a lot of times arguments, um, you hear, uh, for women in the church, even for the LGBTQ is like you um, usually it has to do with more inclusive arguments. And mm. what happens is the more conservative side says, all you're doing is letting culture dictate your viewing right. of scripture. All you're doing is letting culture dictate yeah. your viewing of scripture. And I find that so fascinating, that argument, because this would be a counter going, haven't we all done that at some point like yeah this is a perfect example like i was never educated from a biblical standpoint what right. the bible said about, talk sex. about
0: it right it was such a taboo no yeah no, it was mike was the first pastor i ever heard same same from the pulpit about sex and it was i was i mean i was i think i was married at that point i mean i was definitely well into my late late 20s and i was like whoa
1: what Yeah, I remember being like, "Did he just start talking about that at
0: church?" (laughs) Yeah, I was like, like, "We're not allowed to talk about this." Do they
1: know this is coming? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. (laughs) But that was so the culture too. Of, um, I mean, we and we talked about that too. And so you just think like, "Gosh, like we have done that so many times," and so it's really not fair to act like. Only one side does it. Does that make sense? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. like, like she said, when there's a lack of education, we're not looking at the root of something. So if we're all trying to find a doctrine and we're all trying to find a standpoint and we're looking at the root of it and we're being educated, what does the text say? What was the culture then? What are the languages? All of those things, that's education. And then we can make our own um, sort of belief system. And we'll always find something right. in culture that agrees or disagrees with it. But when we're just approaching an issue and we're only letting culture inform it for good or bad, you know, that's not okay no matter what you do. I just think it's so funny that it's fine when it supports our everybody's own viewpoints and it's not fine when it goes against them, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, for, yeah. no, totally. We said, no, don't let the culture out there dictate it, but we're going to let the culture in here mm-hmm. not grounded in any form of or at least full truth dictate it. Right. It's wild. But it all makes me think about just this Vox journey and um, like Mike's uh, just stuff with um, uh, spiritually homeless mm-hmm. and like not, not like I don't, I don't find a home here and I don't find a home there. And in my head, that has always been a conversation about like we're, we're pushing everything aside mm-hmm. and we're going to figure out what the truth is together because we, uh are are finding that there's contradictions here and there and here and there and
1: right right it's
0: like now we're now we're like all right like what does it mean to reposition what does it mean to have a posture that's facing jesus and trying to listen to that Mm -hmm. and understand what absolute truth is on all these different topics and Mm -hmm. so this like when she was talking i was just like yeah this is just part of that like this is part of that peeling away and just being like all right well what is the real verse like because she was she's like you know we're built for pleasure and god Likes pleasure. She said something to that effect. I'm, right. I'm yeah. Horribly misquoting her, but something to, to the effect of like, pleasure is not bad. Right, yeah. Pleasure is not wrong, <clears throat> and we're built for that intentionally by God. Mm-hmm. So, and, but now we have so much shame, and like you said, a lot of people wrote in with like the, um, I feel guilty in mm-hmm. marriage. Yeah. Like engaging with my partner in this, and it's like, man, that's so. What a bummer.
1: So messed stuff. I know. It's like, oh, my gosh. And it's so sad because, like, when I say messed up, I mean not for that person. But, like, oh, my gosh. like yeah, yeah. I can't believe this is
0: a result.
1: Like, this yeah. was the fruit of that. And now we're seeing yeah. it 20 years later. I mean, it's like we do that so many times. We just, like, instill these hard and fast rules. And we see that everywhere. We're like, we have the food pyramid. We're like, everybody should eat 12, 12 servings of grains. And then 20 years later, we're like, whoops, everyone has celiacs now. It's like yeah. we don't we everything is so fast and hard it's like it's hard it's difficult to um find the nuance in it and i think that takes a lot of work and you know and let us know you guys if you do want another conversation with her because one thing i wanted and maybe would come up in in song of solomon but as when we were discussing and i've been thinking about it after a few days is approaching the topic like instead of looking at the bible of The Bible says this I can do this about sex like she was talking about that about masturbation she's like it only says this one thing that's like there's so many gray areas here and so what if we could say like if we if we had a view of scripture of it's pointing us towards wisdom it's not this thing that we're saying it says I can do this and it says I cannot do this and it says this. But like, what's the wisdom of this passage? And in this moment and who I am or who my kids are, how can I be pointed towards wisdom? I think that is a much better lens to try to figure out some of these things than specifically going through and looking for these like cut and dry, black and white answers.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to find, I I went through at some point for Mike and uh, like listed out all of our, Episodes by numbers oh, so yeah. we had a list to reference right away because this ha- we have talked about Mike has ta- has gone into this and he did a great series on sex, love, and God Yeah. if you go backwards um, there's a there's a seven part series starting with episode 106 through um, 106 through 116 that doesn't match up correct oh there's some other things in the middle of there but oh okay there's a bunch of stuff on Sex and Love and God that Mike did as a series, which was the, I think the original, not, this is not the original series that I had heard, but it's the same, um, like it's him revisiting that. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I um, wonder, were we at Rock Harbor at the same time? Is probably. that where you heard it? What year yeah. was Because that's where I heard it too. We must've been. That's Rock so weird. Rock Harbor
0: was in the senior center when I first came. Oh, I, I was just, attending. they
1: just had moved to the new building when I got there. Yeah,
0: and I was there for a few years when that. So I was like 04
1: up. is when I started. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, cuz I got married
0: in 2005, so.
1: Oh, okay, yeah. So right then. That's crazy. Yeah. It's
0: crazy. Yeah. So Well, this a bit this is I don't know. This is a I think my biggest fear with this is that a we said in the beginning like some of this might be uh, triggering for some of you and my fear is that these triggers are so old and so deeply rooted that, um, you know, some of you, your initial reaction is going to be to just kind of push that aside yeah, or to not, um, to not sit with it or to not kind of question it or challenge it. And I, I hope that we're trying to create a place. I know this is such an uncomfortable topic to talk about, but we're trying to create environments where we can have these conversations more often and more openly. And yeah, so,
1: but even if it's, um, people knowing they have a place if they need it but encouraging like we got into this problem because we didn't communicate about it
0: exactly and
1: yeah. so it's I think it starts with communication with yourself like she said like write everything down what am I feeling what am I and then with your partner what am I what is it that you're feeling yeah. what do we want and she does have that free resource on her website so yeah, and that would be a great thing even if you guys did that together and then you took it to your um small group or your your friends like you had other friend, like m- other married couples maybe you guys want to like talk about it together like whatever or to your therapist or whatever but like that is a great tool I think to get a conversation um a conversation's going but Tim's right like what we don't want to do is talk about these things and then just be like that feels like too much work and so I'm not gonna do yeah, it. Yeah, and like yeah.
0: what I hate at church is stirring the pot on something and then just being like, "All right, peace." Like, yeah. Have so a good that's week. like
1: we would love to hear emails about like, "Hey, this is where that hit me," and I would love a follow up of this because, yeah, like, I think I you and those I both. Friends or yeah, could see like it would that would be nice. Like, yeah, let's have a follow up conversation of, "Hey, this stirred this up, so now let's talk about this," because we she already said yeah. she would be happy to be on it again. So it would be awesome to have. Yeah. some, um, idea of how this hits you guys and to know that you're not alone and we're here.
0: Yeah. And you guys, that was, I mean, it was awesome to see just the reaction, the feedback when, um, Pawnee, when you put it on Facebook and yeah. Instagram and how many people were like, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I need this. I both can't men wait. Men and women and a lot of different age groups. Cause obviously this is, you know, this relates to pretty much everybody at some everywhere, wherever you are in life and wherever you are relationally you're probably in some form or function a sexual being yeah (laughs) exactly
1: yeah Um, well and i think confirmation too like one of the reasons why i love doing that where you can put the box and then you put up the answers and it's anonymous is so many people say like i'm so glad i'm not the only one that feels that way because i think in your head sometimes you think like i feel this way and i don't think it's right but i don't really know why i feel this way or why i have this shame or why i have this fear absolutely um And I think there was something messed up about that thing I learned, (laughs) but I'm not really sure. And so it's like, so to hear it, like other people be like, yes, no, that's not you. (laughs) You know, it's super helpful. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, maybe we'll, Bonnie, when we put this on, when we put the link to this, which you guys are already listening to. So, but we'll, um, we'll, we'll put the, uh, the link to her, um,
1: yes absolutely
0: her website with the
1: yes and then the, you uh, can do tools and yeah email us at
0: tim at Voxpodcast.com or hello at voxpodcast.com um yep. yeah awesome so uh yeah please communicate and um, we have some fun different guests coming up in the next couple of weeks bonnie has been going bananas and getting some super cool and interesting people that are just for some reason just continually saying yeah i'd love to come yeah and i'm
1: like oh my gosh we should buy a lot of excited (laughs) i know
0: yeah (laughs) bonnie (laughs) bonnie is bonnie's hitting home runs right now
1: okay and i got the best message so i'm gonna do the blessing okay don't die of shock Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah this sweet lady (laughs) susan wrote me and she's like hey bonnie thanks for all that you're doing on the vox podcast it's important work and you're speaking into the lives of so many people thank you susan I just wanted to give you a great resource. So next time you need to read a blessing, you can pull one out of your hat or messy bun. And I appreciate that (laughs) so much. Okay. So I'm just going to, I'm just going through and I'm just going to grab one. Okay. All right. Maybe this could be. Is it
0: like a roulette wheel where you just spin it and wherever it lands? Wouldn't that be amazing? (laughs) May your fields (laughs) be bountiful.
1: Okay. And this is from Romans 1513. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I like like that that too. So thank you, Susan. Now I have an actual resource and I'm not like, oh, I don't know any blessings (laughs) (laughs) every week. (laughs) Oh my gosh.
0: What was the last line of it? Oh, shoot. Well, did you lose it no
1: don't you worry I can sc-
0: maybe you, may you abound in hope or
1: uh, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope
0: I like that yeah let's leave it on that folks may you abound in hope this week yep we'll see you next week bye bye